Talk Recorded live. All right, all right. So today is uh, February 3rd, 2017. It's me and Erica Rose Siegel. Uh, we are in session three of Happily Ever After, her Happily Ever After specifically. And um, today's uh, session is going to be on the third of the top five things that get in the way of relationships, which is not managing emotions, really not even knowing, not even knowing that you're supposed to, should, uh, not knowing how to, and just not doing it. So um, Happily Ever After is a six-session program that covers the top five issues in relationships, really like almost all issues in relationships. And then the uh, last piece is uh, what to do once you've got all that handled. So that's session six. So uh, I was um, – say hi so you can hear your voice. Say hi. <laughs> hi, Erica Rose. Hi. <laughs> okay, great, great, great. <laughs> I figured you might want to hear your own voice. What the hell? And if not, at least you'll hear something that make you laugh. Okay, so um, – I was just sharing before I hit record um, about the 80-20 rule. And, um, yeah, there's two, there's two things I want to um, say about it. And one thing I'm going to say about it, uh, well, I'm going to talk about it, and then there's one other thing I want to say, and then we're going to go into the session. So um, about the 80-20 rule, um, most people, well, we're created as a society to be great at a couple of things. And so we could be of service to others and make a difference with others. And, um, and everything else about us is at best mediocre. And, you know, in many cases, in most of the things in life, uh, you know, is, is useless. You know, so, so somebody who knows how to uh, build buildings as an architect, um, they probably don't know anything about relationships. They don't know anything about, you know, technology. They may not know anything about writing, about teaching, about, travel about so many things that life is about, about agriculture, about politics. You know, I, I can go on and on, you know what I mean, about money. I, I can go on and on. But they're great at architecture, so let them be the architects and let them build buildings. You know, somebody that knows relationships, they may not know all the other stuff that I just said, but they know relationships. So go to them for that, you know what I mean? So um, uh, what happens is uh, we belittle what we're great at because it's so easy and simple for us. It's like, why even pay attention to that? We want to strengthen our weaknesses instead of strengthening our strengths and, and forget about our weaknesses or hire somebody or partner with somebody that can handle our weaknesses because that's their strength. And um, so, one, we put ourselves down for being great at something that's simple and easy for us. And then when we meet somebody else, that it's not easy or simple for them, we make them wrong because it's so easy and simple. How come this? What's so hard about it? What's wrong with you? And then on top of that, we make ourselves wrong uh, because what's easy and simple for somebody else, we can't do. We think everything we do is supposed to be easy and simple, but that's not how, that's not how humanity is designed. Humanity is designed to be a collective of individuals who contribute to each other to bring us as a collective. So, you know, let's say use basketball, for example. I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but I'm pretty sure you could relate. The guy who's dribbling the ball, you know, is, is making sure everybody gets the ball, while the guy who's the tallest guy on the team, he's usually the guy who's uh, protecting uh, the team from the other team. 
And so everybody uses their separate, their think, skill sets in harmony with each other so they can achieve a goal. That's how all of humanity is designed. And I think that's one of the reasons why sports is such a big, big deal and probably always will be here. So, you know, that's the first thing I want to talk about. So you can give yourself permission for all the things that you don't know how to do, um, not make yourself wrong, not make others wrong for not being able to do what you know how to do, um, find what they know how to do and help them do it. Uh, in other words, don't make people wrong, make a difference. And so that's the first thing. And then uh, the second thing is I had this realization yesterday about the impact, and I posted it on my Facebook wall, but I was going to say it anyhow, the impact of um, not knowing who you are. So, so when you don't, you don't understand your must-have list, you don't know what you must have, you'll end up being mad for not getting it, even though you didn't know you wanted it or needed it until you didn't get it. And if you're in a relationship and you didn't get it from your partner because it's something you need from your partner, your partner will get mad at you for you getting mad at him for not telling him, even though you didn't tell him that you needed or wanted that thing. So you're mad at him for not knowing that you needed it. You're mad at yourself or you're mad at your expectations of not being fulfilled. And then he's mad at being treated like crap, even though you didn't tell him he needed to do that. And that happens to relationships every day all over the world. It's happening as we're speaking, as you're listening to this right now. Whatever year you're listening to this, it's happening as you hear me speaking. So it's critical that you know who you are and that you communicate, you know, and know what you need and communicate it and all of that. So uh, that's my uh, good morning soliloquy. And uh, anything you want to say or ask about that? Um. I want to see if I can recreate that. That the first piece I heard was that um, bottom line: don't be, don't make people wrong for not knowing something, and don't make yourself wrong for not knowing something. Instead, make a difference. Yeah, and I'll add to that: um, don't waste your time strengthening your weaknesses. Spend your time strengthening your strengths. Ah. That's brilliant. Yes. That explains Michael Jordan, Martin Luther King, Bill Gates, to name a few. You're never going yeah. to get your strength. You're never going to get your weaknesses up to strength anyhow because you ain't, you ain't designed for that. You're in the area that you're great at. You're the gift for everyone else. So be that. Oh. As a relationship coach, I know I'm the gift for everyone else because I know relationships better than everybody else. But it's my gift to them because I was born with this gift, so I'm giving it rather than try to be better as a chef, <laughs> you know, or caterer or, you know, whatever, technology. So strengthen your strengths. Don't worry about your weaknesses. Mm. That will make you legendary. Okay. Got it. And yeah, then, in your in your feedback, you give me what I what what you didn't get and what I didn't say. So that's why I'm glad to hear you giving me your feedback. All right, keep going. 
Um, and then the other part I heard, I actually now forgot, but I guess I can just listen. Um, oh, it was if you don't know what you want, it's hard for someone, it, it makes it impossible for someone to deliver on it. Yes. Bottom line, yes. And what that looks like on the court, I'll say it again, even though it's already recorded, is if you don't know what you must have in a relationship, you will get annoyed or worse if you don't get it, even though you didn't know you needed it or wanted it. And you'll be annoyed with your partner for not giving it to you. And at the same time, they will be annoyed with you for being annoyed with them about something you didn't tell them. Yeah, and I was actually at a, it's funny because I'm like starting to, you know, try to date, but it's like everybody's showing up and they're not what I want. I'm like, and they're all interested, and every guy is interested in me. Every guy I talk to. Oh, yep, let's see you again. I'm like, nope, no, what are you doing? No. What, you think I want to go out with you again? No. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, I'm, I'm like annoyed. I'm like, do you not see there was no chemistry there? And it's just like, I'm like, ah, like I went to a speed dating event yesterday and at first I was into this guy, but then like he became so clingy within like, like, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever done speed dating, but within five minutes, yeah. you know, you, you go to the next person right? and three and a half minutes onto the, the date, he's like, can I have your phone number? I'm like, Wow. And I, at first I was like, this was because that's not how it goes. You're supposed to like wait and you pick each other. Right. And in my mind, I'm like, wow, I was kind of impressed. You know, I was like, that's interesting. So I was like, all right, sure. I gave him my number. And then he's like, you want to go out right after this? I'm like, whoa. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then I just couldn't, I was like, and I, and then I just gave into it. Cause like, well, I'll go with the flow, but I'm like, there is something about the fact that you don't do things the way they're designed. And I'm like, oh, wait, I don't do the way things are designed either. So now I'm, I'm annoyed with him. <laughs> I'm like, you're annoying. You're so annoying. And then I, and he was too, so when I found out how young he was, I'm like, hmm, he's very young. No. Yeah. And I just, he asked me and I just, I lied to him. He asked me, he told me his age. He didn't ask me mine, and it immediately bothered me. And he asked me if it bothered me, and I was like, he's like, I have no idea how old you are, nor am I going to ask. He's like, I just want you to know how old I am. I'm like, okay. And he told me, and I should have just been like, no. And then for some reason, I just didn't tell the truth. I don't know why. I'm not sure why I didn't be like, no, you're too young. Uh-uh. And I... I <laughs> Like, you hey, felt safer. I'm, I'm going to guess that you felt safer to lie than to tell the truth. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, like a few days before that, I went out on a date with another guy, and I really just went out on a date with him because I promised another guy friend of mine that I would go on two dates a week. Like, I had folded my dating game. And I was, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't have a date yet. So I went online. I just asked some guy out. I'm like, let's go. And he asked me, he's like, did you look at the guy's profile and, like, read it to see before you asked him out? 
And like we had zero in common. He's like, Erica, did you did you did you read anything about it? I'm like, no. He's like, what the hell? Did you do? Why did you do that? I'm like, I'd go on a date. He's like, okay, well maybe you should might want to screen them. Uh-huh. Good idea. So I was looking annoyed, and I'm realizing that yeah. So I'm I'm just like, what am I doing? I'd rather not. And then that takes time away from my work, my sleep, my exercise. I'm like eating stuff I don't want to eat. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not interested in you. So I was just annoyed. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's, so the just, that's the laughter of recognition, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm ready for the next piece. I want to, I wanna, or maybe I didn't master the other piece. I'm not sure. So you tell me where you want to go with this. Well, um, you know, I just wanted to put that out because I, it, it, if, if it was calling to me while I'm speaking to you, it must be something you need to hear. So I trust my intuition. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, um, you know, what, I'm, what I want to know is, like, you know, so far, what do you got from what we're doing? Um, you know, what, what do you, any feedback from the first two sessions, one, knowing who you are, and two, understanding the differences between uh, genders. I haven't really, like, done anything with it. I'm not really getting it. Maybe I'm getting it, but I just don't feel like I'm getting it. Okay, so what do you think is in the way of you actually getting it? Because, um, you know, this having a discussion is cute and everything, but if you're not applying it, then that's another story. So you're dating, you know, you're, you're having these conversations, but my question to you is, well, you know, if you say you're not getting anything, what do you need in order for you to, like, have it stick? Um, maybe, trusting that it'll work? Um, say, say that again? Trusting that it'll work? Oh, um, okay, that's one way of looking at it. How about if you work real hard at trying to prove that it won't? Oh, I do that almost all the time. Yeah, are you doing that with this? Um, well, no, I haven't even looked at it. I, I only, like, the day before I looked at the notes, or last night I was like, oh, I don't think I'm doing any of that. Got it. So, yeah, so sessions one and four are the ones you really want to do the work on. Um, you know, making your must-have list, identifying the principles you live your life by, especially the principles part. See, you know, and also but identifying I what you're doing. This is the thing, Tony. I did, it. I did all that stuff. I did what I'm yeah. thinking of. Like I sent it to you when I did the assignment. Principles I live yeah. by, being a fan, acknowledging, building up others, willingness, enthusiasm. And then there was a whole list of things that I don't want to live by, but I know that I'm living by them right now. And yeah. then I also think, I don't know, I guess, I don't know well, where the rest me, of it was. Well, let me help you. Let me help you. So humans are unique creatures. And here's probably, if not the biggest, like in the top five. Human beings are designed to live our lives by principles, the spiritual energy of the universe, love, appreciation, all of that, right? 
all those possibilities that we say we are when we're at Landmark and we create a new possibility. Mm. But we're never not those things. That is our life. We're not squirrels where we like running around climbing trees and collecting nuts. We're actually experiencing the universe at the spiritual level really completely unless we're unconscious. And even if we're unconscious, we are experiencing it completely. We're just not conscious of the fact that we're experiencing it completely. If, so let me put it to you as raw as I can. If there was no such thing as principles, humans would probably not even be in existence. Because that's what drives our life. Because we become a principle, we either choose to be a principle or a principle becomes us. We either choose to be happy or happiness takes us over because something happened and our reaction was to be happy. We either choose to be angry or most likely we don't, or angry chooses us. We surrender and, and fulfill into that, into anger. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that if you don't know principles, you'll never know who other people are. That's your x-ray vision. So you was talking to this guy. If you can hear the principles that are making, helping him make the decisions and helping the words come out of his mouth, you'll know a lot quicker whether this is the right person or not. And you'll know if they're a match with you or not and all of that stuff. Your customers. You'll be able to see who people are because we cannot not be a principle. It's just not that. We're human beings, and what we're being is these principles. That is the key, really the only thing we're ever being. Whether we're doing it consciously or unconsciously, it's another story. So I really want you to get, if you don't get nothing else but what your life purpose is about, what your highest aspiration for relationship is about, and this thing I'm talking about right here, you'll still be okay even if it may not be perfect. You will still have a relationship that turns out quite greatly. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe you need to talk to me two or three times during the week so I can help you get it stick, sticky. But I'm also going to look at what can I say and do that's actually going to make the biggest difference so that you can't forget it. Because I see that um, that's not what I'm doing right now. I take responsibility for that. But thank you for letting me know so I can start getting more creative and find ways to put this in with you. Yeah. Did that communicate? It did communicate. Yeah. And I guess there's just some things that I... How you, it's, the, it's, your, it's your form of learning. So I need to learn how to have people who learn the way you learn get it in a way that it, they can't get it off of them. You know, it's a stain on their shirt. They can't get rid of it, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, now nah, that's what that is. I'm going to, uh, and I'm glad you're going to listen to the recording. You know, I think this one is going to make a big difference. But anyhow, we're going to go into this today's session. And okay. We'll, we'll, still, we'll still be on time. No, not a problem. Okay. Um, um, oh, you know what? There's one or two other things. So one of them is that, um, you know, the, the concept of ATMs, you only get out what you put in. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah. Um, I know I learned the distinction pulling the course to you. Um, and so I'm inviting you to do that. Um, you know, we already talked about, you know, make my, make your coach win. So we already talked about that. Um, but the other thing I'm going to say is that as we go deeper, I think the other stuff will make sense, make it easier for you to have it. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stand there among other things. So, 
So let's talk about emotions. Okay, awesome. Okay, awesome. <laughs> um, so the impact of being controlled by one's emotions on you, your partner, and the relationship. So the impact of being controlled by your emotions is that you will regret it, you'll feel alienated, you'll likely have a destroyed sense of trust, or people will have a destroyed sense of trust around you. Um, You'll have short-term actions create unwanted long-term consequences. you'll be considered unsafe in the eyes of others, especially men. A woman that has no real relationship to her emotions, I mean, no real relationship to managing her emotions, is an unsafe human being to men. Is almost no man is willing to do, be around her unless he doesn't know who he is. A man who knows who he is, that's around a woman who is out of control with her emotions, they are never going to be around her. They're going to leave. Gone. And they won't even say anything. And you know why they won't say anything? Guess why? Why? Uh, you're supposed to guess why, but you didn't guess. <laughs> because so, this kid, this kid, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Say it one more time. A woman who is not being responsible for her emotions will never match up with a man who is uh, mature and, you know, qualified to be with her, a man who knows who he is. There's not a man on the planet who knows who he is that will choose as a life mate someone who cannot, a woman that cannot manage her emotions. Like attracts like? That's part of it. I don't know. Try, try another one. Just, let's just try another one. What the hell? Because he doesn't want to take care of her? Nope, because he's scared of retribution. When women get upset, they scream, rant, and rave, and they bitch and moan, and they complain, and guys can't take but so much of it. It makes us feel unsuccessful, like a loser, and because we don't have the same connection to emotions that women do, because when we were seven years old, six, seven, eight years old, we were told to stop crying, stop being a little girl, put your big boy pants on, right? So we can't join you in a conversation about emotions because you've been facile in the conversation about emotions since you was born and you never stopped. But we stopped learning. We don't have the distinction emotions. That's why we go in on a man cave to experience our emotions because that way nobody's going to look at us funny. We cry in front of a woman more than, more than once a year. She's going to start wondering what's wrong with us. And so uh, you know, I'll give you a couple examples on, on on my in my own personal life. I broke up. I, I, there was these two women I broke up with that kicked me because they was mad at me for breaking up with them. Kicked me with their feet. Mm. One woman dumped me in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. I had to walk three hours to get to a train station because nothing else was running, and I didn't have the money for a taxi. I didn't even know where I was because I, I didn't want to be with her. Dumped me in the middle of the night. Another woman said I was, she was pregnant and she wanted me to pay for the um, abortion. I don't know if it was really that true or not. I don't know if that was true or not. Here's what I know. I felt like I had to pay her to get out of the relationship. 
That's what men are scared of. And so if a woman doesn't manage her emotions, he's thinking, and every man experienced some version of that. And so if you are controlled by your emotions rather than being responsible for your emotions and being responsible for what you're committed to, you will chase mature men away, and you'll only end up with an immature man, a man who don't know who he is because he don't know. Because he don't know, and he doesn't know, he doesn't like that yet. Mm, okay. So you got to be responsible for your emotions. Okay. You know, you'll also, um, there's a couple other impacts. I mean, there's thousands, but I'm going to make sure you get these other two. You will leave people with a negative customer service experience. You know, you're at a restaurant, and a, and a, and a waiter is annoyed and you don't know why. Maybe he's annoyed with you. Maybe he's annoyed that he had to work two extra hours. Maybe he's annoyed that he ain't get good tips all week. And so he treats you like, ah, let me just do this. That's a negative customer service experience. Um, and then leaving people feeling invalidated, hurt, unloved, etc. That's the impact of being controlled by your relationships on you, on your partner, and on the relationship. Now, yeah, it's great to express yourself, but you better be responsible for it. It's great to feel your emotions, but it, it, it's, it's critical that you're responsible for it. Mm. Okay. So, uh, every relationship has an emotional environment. If you remember yesterday, uh, last session, I talked about the fact that a relationship is three-dimensional. There's you, there's your partner, and then there's the space in between called the relationship. You remember that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. And then the space in between called the relationship has two parts. It's part in, part baby, part business. I, you know, it's really part emotions and part uh, um, objects, things, structures. You know, what what Lamar would call the empty and meaningless world, you know, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Now, this session is about the baby emotional side of the relationship. And I had said that with emotions, you can never take your eyes off the emotions of the relationship. And I just told you some of the reasons why. So now I'm going to talk to you about the way emotions work in the relationship. So. Every, every relationship has an emotional environment, emotional culture. The collective feelings that occur between the people in any relationship make up the relationship's emotional environment. This occurs regardless of the type of relationship involved, whether it's work, play, family, romantic, even enemies, it doesn't matter. People rarely ever pay attention to the impact of their feelings and emotions on others. Because of this, people don't know how they contribute to the quality of the relationship they're in. This also has people be at the effect of how they feel and at the effect of the feelings of others as if they have no control of their feelings. You have the power to influence every relationship you find yourself in if you can merely remember that you already that you already are contributing to whatever relationship you're already in on the emotional side. 
An emotional environment can be loving, violent, cynical, fun, manipulative, regretful, empowering. You actually get to say. From now on, choose which ways you want to feel and focus on that rather than on the emotions of others. With enough emotional intensity, you'll eventually have others feeling exactly as you do. So you either choose your emotions or your emotions are going to choose you. I'm going to talk a little bit about more into that, but I just wanted to say that before I move on to the next piece. So here's one of the biggest keys to understanding the emotional side of the relationship. That the person with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship. Let me say that again. The person with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship. At least for as long as they have the strongest emotions. Mm. If you've noticed, babies always dominate the space they're in. You ever notice that? Yeah. <laughs> if they're happy, even the meanest thugs will start smiling for at least as long as they're in the presence of the baby. Because the baby has the strongest emotions. <laughs> <laughs> when a boss is angry, the boss dominates the space they're in, not merely because they're the boss, not necessarily because they're the boss, because they're the one with the strongest emotions. Their emotional strength often comes from the fact that there won't be any consequences for being angry or whatever they're feeling precisely because they're the boss. That's not necessarily true, but that's usually how they operate. You can see that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Their emotional intensity dominates much more than their title and often adds to the strength of their title if they're irresponsible for their emotions. Mm. Having the strongest emotions doesn't mean having the ugliest emotions, though. Like being the angriest, the most hated, or the most hate, hateful, or the most intolerant doesn't necessarily mean that they're the strongest emotions, because it also could be the coolest, most loving, or compassionate emotions. Mm. That would explain. Okay. That would explain. That would, you gonna say something? No, no. Okay. Yeah. So that would explain Martin Luther King Jr., Mahatma Gandhi, and Nelson Mandela, to export to name a few. There. Mahatma Gandhi's emotions of love and freedom and empowerment was stronger than the entire British colony, the British Empire. His emotions were stronger than the entire one. That's how come he won. And it wasn't from anger. It was from love and freedom. He withstood it. I think, I think it took him 30 years to get there. He had the strongest emotions. That's why he won. Okay. If, you focus, if you focus on being loving, understanding, compassionate, or generous to the fullest extent possible, you'll have relationships go your way in the end. So there's a movie that I love, one of my favorite movies, um, that demonstrates this perfectly, and that's why it's one of my favorite movies. 
It's called Driving Miss Daisy. You ever saw that? Nope. You ever heard of it? I've heard of it, yes. Okay. Driving Miss Daisy is a little uh, old, mean, white chick named uh, Miss Daisy, but the actress is Jessica Tandy. I think she won an Oscar for that role. I know that her uh, and Morgan Freeman was uh, her driver. He was driving Miss Daisy, and his name was Hope. And so Miss Daisy and Hope had a relationship. <laughs> and the relationship was she was the boss and she was a nitpicking, bitchy, hell on wheels, too angry to, to, to die. Guys like, you calm down before you come up here, you know? <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of cranky chick. And Morgan was like, Hope was like, hey, you know, whatever you want to do, I'm going to be me. And it took him, it took about 25 years for her to finally surrender to his lovingness. But she was resisting it the whole time and didn't bother him at all. Interesting. Yes. The one with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship for at least as long as they have the strongest emotions. I've seen so many examples of it, it's crazy. But anyhow, so you can have the strongest emotions wherever you are. And usually women have stronger emotions usually because you have so much more variety, so much more flexibility, so much more skill and awareness around it. And it's so subtle. You can go in directions that we have no idea around. Y'all like 10 times more sophisticated around emotions. It's just that y'all usually let the emotions take you over rather than learn how to use it. Mm, Okay. You know, so, um, you know, I have, I want to say it at the end, but I'll just say it now. Feelings are terrific servants, but terrible masters. And everything I'm saying is the reason why they're terrible masters. <laughs> so now, uh, anything you want to say about any of that so far before I go? Keep going. What was the last thing you said? Feelings are what? Terrific servants, but terrible masters. You'll feel what you feel, but they, but they have no vision. They have no anticipation of what the impact or the results are going to be of whatever you do to make to, to respond to the, your feelings. A blatant example is being angry with somebody and then shooting them. You feel good while you pull the trigger, but now you spend in the, less, the rest of your life in regret if, if, if not also in jail. Yeah, okay. Screaming at a guy who's trying to take care of you will make him remember that. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But people don't don't usually remember what you say or do, but they always remember how you made them feel. Yeah, yeah. That's why feelings are terrific servants, terrible masters. There's so many more reasons, but it's it's imperative that you Learn how to manage your emotions and be responsible for your emotions. You can feel them all you want. You just can't be doing stuff that's going to cost you later. And I'm going to talk about cost in a minute. Okay. Matter of fact, right now. So the way to take care of your relationship is to be responsible for the memories that exist in a relationship. These memories make up what are referred to as emotional currency. Think of emotions as dollars and cents, okay? 
deposits withdrawals. Each memory brings a certain quality of life to relationships depending on the quality of the memory. Romantic memories provide romantic emotional currency, but it can also provide intimacy, vulnerability, and friendship. Conversely, angry outbursts creates memories of fear, invalidation, lack of respect, and domination. Most people, like I said, won't remember what you said or did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Each incident creates a certain quality of feeling and either adds to or subtracts from the desired emotional state of the relationship. Given this reality, it would make sense that creating great memories would be a wise thing to do. Most people know this unconsciously. To do something messed up or blow their stack and then turn around and do something special for the person they just blew up on to try and make up for the emotional explosion that happened just a short while ago. You've seen that before, right? Say that piece one more time. I just didn't get it. Okay. Um, each incident creates a certain quality of feeling and either adds to or subtracts from the desired emotional state of a relationship. Given this reality, it would make sense that creating great memories would be a wise thing to do. However, and most people know this unconsciously, <laughs> and so here's how you know they know this unconsciously. They'll do something messed up or blow their stack and turn around and then do something special for the person they blew up on to try and make up for the emotional explosion that just happened a few minutes ago. Mm, okay. Right? Yeah. But But unfortunately, they don't know that that's often too little, too late. Yeah. The time, yeah. To, the time to do nice things was before the explosion, not after. Makes yeah. sense? Right. Makes perfect sense. I've had someone say that to me, actually. Got it. <laughs> okay. So with enough memories of lovingness, mercy, forgiveness, generosity, and other expressions of love and affinity, Relationships can withstand many strongly negative incidences without a scratch and a few of the worst kinds, such as infidelity or criminal activity. With enough memories of lovingness, mercy, and other types of love and affinity, most relationships can handle it because they got so much of the love and so little of the other stuff. Got it. Okay. Um, one last thing, one bad incident can remove the impact of dozens of happy memories. Mm. So you don't want to have too many of those types of incidences happening in your relationship. It's like putting $1 in but taking $200 out. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, Tony, hold on, sorry, I'm not going to come Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, you're so smart. Thank you. Hello? Yes. Hi, can you hear me? So sorry. My, no apparently, I, I left my keys in the front door and I didn't even realize. Whoa. So someone, somebody just came to, then to me. Got it. 
Yeah. All right. So um, I have an interview tonight, uh, today at uh, 945 for 15 minutes with somebody that has a uh, blog, uh, a, a podcast show, and they just was confirming with me why you did that. So like, I'm excited. I get a chance to be interviewed. Yay, publicity. All right. Um, <laughs> so I'll repeat it again. One bad incident can remove the impact of dozens of happily memories, happy memories. So you don't want to have too many of those types of incidents. It's like putting $1 into the bank account but taking $200 out. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. You can only take so many withdrawals. So next thing I'm going to talk about is uh, happiness. And um, <laughs> it ain't a long conversation. You are responsible for your own happiness and self-esteem. No one can do this for you. Yeah. If, you put this, if you put this on your bar- partner, you're overburdening them, giving your power away, and sabotaging the relationship. Mm. So because it's like you're making them do something they can't even do, and then you're going to make them wrong for not doing it. And that's one of the main problems that happens with people that don't know who they are because they put the burden on their partner to do something for them that they should be doing for themselves and their partner has no idea how to do. And the partner doesn't even know that that's not their job. Like they're not capable of it. It's like you can take a horse of water, you just can't make them drink. So you got to be responsible for your happiness. And I suggest that you remain conscious to being happy, like have happiness in dealing with people be a quality control standard for you. That don't mean you, yeah. have, you have to, that don't mean you have to accept other people's stuff when you're standing for being happy. You know, you can stand for being happy in the face of things not working. Like, listen, I I'm committed to being happy, and if I'm around this, I'm not going to be happy, so I need to leave. But you don't have to be unhappy. You just protect your stand for happiness without making them wrong for doing something that obviously ain't going to make you happy, you know? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, good. All right. So now we're going to go into the uh, the next piece of this, which is recognizing what triggers you. Here's where emotions get to be your master because you don't know what triggers you. So so what are you getting out of this so far? We're going to check in. Um, I'm definitely getting that, hold on, I, yeah, that I'm responsible for my own happiness. That yes. um, what, and that also... How, like, that comes, I remember, this is actually what had me register for the Access to Power course. I broke up with someone, and what he had said to me when we broke up on Mother's Day was, like, um, when you moved in, you lost your happiness, and I can't, I can't make you happy. Um, you were so happy, then you moved in here, and then something shifted, and 
I felt like you were counting on me to make you happy every day, and I would come home and you just looked miserable. And I started to feel bad about you being here instead of excited about coming home to see you. And then he also said that, like, too little, too late. And I think it was because there was a lot of things. There was just, like, a lot of, in the short time we were together, there was just, like, I was in a car accident. There was a sewage explosion. Like, then we were in a car accident together. And then, like, um, something else happened at my job. And it was just, like, a lot of drama. And, he, and it was just all of the happy memories that we had together, it, it kind of, like, it was hard to even focus on that when so much time of that. Oh, and I was also in the hospital um, for something separate. Um, so all of that was happening and I was pretty calm for most of it, but then like, I think it was just the, at the beginning I was really calm. And then I guess maybe after the third or fourth incident, I just started to like lose it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, can I just get, get a break here? You know, I was just like, you know, annoyed and versus like, and, and not recognizing like inside of bringing everything, nothing, what it must be like for him who have thought he was dating this, like, super active, like, triathlete who loves to do things all the time, and all of a sudden I'm like, I can barely walk at some point. And he's like, where did I? And I ended up breaking my foot, actually. And then I walked into his bathroom and broke my foot from nothing, like, just tripped. And, mm. and he was just like, he, I think it just at the point where the girl he fell in love with was no longer that girl because all the things we had thought about creating in, like, our future, we were talking about a climb and just that it was just, like, and climbing this high mountain. And, you know, it, it was just, like, I, I need crutches to, like, get – I can't – I couldn't even drive. Like, actually, I broke my driving foot. So, um, hmm. yeah, it was just to the point where – and my cat was – so I could just see that it was hard to even focus on all the good things that we had had together because there were so many, like, negative things. And you said that, like, one negative thing, I don't remember the words you used, but something about, like, one negative thing, like, takes, like, counterbalances, like, a whole bunch of positive things. So it's not like yes. it's, like, a 50-50. It was, like, one negative. If we had 12 great memories, that one negative could have canceled all those 12 memories out. So every time something yeah. negative happened, we had to, like, not we had to, but there's, like, that's, the impact of a negative is that it, like, canceled out, like, um, you know, it has a much bigger impact than one positive. Excellent. That is exactly accurate. One bad memory takes away dozens, if not hundreds, of, of great memories. You have too many, they can't even trust you anymore. It's like there's nothing to talk about. You know, yeah. Now, yeah. You, now you're bankrupt, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, and you have to be responsible for that. And, you know, the best way I would say it right this minute is to be present to leaving your partner better than you found you found him at all mm -hmm. times, as often as possible. Leave them better than you found him, particularly emotionally. If you can't do nothing for them, if you can't give them money, if you can't teach them something, if you can't take them something there, at least leave them feeling better than you found it. You could always do that. Um, I'd, I'd like to share a story, may I? Sure. Okay, great. Oh, it's going to be responsive, you know. Um, so 
I was, you know, when I when I moved to North Carolina shortly after the World Trade Center collapse, about almost not quite two months, month and a half, and uh, I was dating a woman that lived around the corner from me in Jersey City, and uh, you know, for her, she was like, you know, well, oh well, you're moving away. I guess I guess we're breaking up. I'm like, I ain't breaking up for that. Come on, we need something to break up. For. So anyway, I had her, you know, it took me, I moved down there and then uh, I spent like three months talking her in and coming down, two and a half months. I found an apartment, got a job, nice place. And so she agreed to move down and helped her move down and that was it. And I did not know how much of a jerk that I was, but I was a jerk, a micromanager bully. Um, when things got to go my way and screw you. And I did not know that that's who I was. So, um, you know, she, I tried to get her to do the landmark form before she came down, but, you know, it didn't happen. Okay, fine. In fact, the day before the World Trade Center incident came down, um, she, we went to, uh, she went to um, the family coaching session for after the uh, young people's uh, landmark form. And, uh, and, but they canceled it because there wasn't enough people. That was a Monday night before the crash to the building. Anyhow, get down to North Carolina. She comes down and I, um, I started getting annoyed with her because she wouldn't communicate fully. She would withhold and stuff. She would, like, shut conversations down, not out of neediness, but, like, just kind of lack of cooperation. And so the third time she did it, I started screaming at her, and I kicked her chair. She, her favorite piece of furniture in the world was this leather recliner. I kicked a hole in the back of the chair. I was actually disappointed that I did that. But her whole body language, everything about her changed. I can't really describe how it was. But it was almost like she became a wet noodle. Can't push a wet noodle, you know what I mean? It was like <sighs> resigned, but like I'm not fighting resisting. I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be a yes person. Yeah. And so, right, so for the next two weeks, we was having sex three or four times a week. For the next two weeks, we had sex once. So I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> so I came, I, I was selling furniture, so I, walk, I walked, I lived seven-minute walk from the place. I came home for lunch, and... Someone said, look in the window. I'm listening to the music. She's playing Sade. I look in the window, and she's dancing and excited. I can see all her teeth smiling, all of that, right? And I'm like, hey, wait a minute, where's she been at? Where's she been? I, I, I want her back. That's the one I thought was coming down here. So I'm excited. I knock on the window. She's like, you know, how you get shocked when you, somebody knocks on the window, right? She looked, and then she yeah. saw me. She saw me, and then she went back to being that chick that was scared and dead. The dead came back. And I was like, oh, I did that. Oh. I not only knew that I did that, but I knew there was nothing I could do to bring it back. So two weeks later, she moved out. It took her almost that long to get herself organized and move out. She moved out. And as she was leaving, she said, you know, I came down here because of you, and now I'm leaving because of you. Uh-huh. Yeah. I... I, I when I kicked the hole in that chair, that was the end. There was no – whatever good happened, it was all gone with that one kick. Mm. So feelings are terrific servants, but terrible masters. I felt good after yeah. that kick because I saw her body language change. Like, all of a sudden, she stopped resisting me. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, she, now she understands. Now she understands. I'm sorry about the chair, and that was the end of it. Mm. That's a, well, that's one of the reasons why I know about emotions so much. <laughs> and ever since then, I, I, was, I was hurt because, for me, 
I really wanted this relationship to work. I wasn't trying to be a jerk like I was most of the time. I really wanted this one to work. I was ready to be serious. And I wasn't ready. So you got to recognize what triggers you, and you got to be responsible for your emotions. So we're going to talk about triggers right now. Okay. Yeah, we're definitely going to be on time, you know, with this. So, um, so recognizing what triggers you. Recognizing what triggers you is uh, essential to managing the emotional environment or the emotional culture of your relationships. Having said that, it would be wise to recognize what has you become unglued in the midst of dealing with people. Some of us get triggered by unfairness. Some of us by being accused or abandoned. Some of us hate to not be acknowledged, and some of us will fight for their freedom, even if their freedom is not at stake. Some of us are paranoid. Some of us are critical or critical of others who are critical. <laughs> Whatever triggers you is an obstacle to being someone. Uh, hold on a second. Um, <laughs> I didn't touch my screen in a while. It just blacked up. Um, Whatever triggers you is an obstacle to being someone who can manage the emotional environment of your relationships. Let me say that again. Whatever triggers you is your obstacle to being able to manage the emotional environment of your relationships. So if you don't know what triggers you, you don't know what you react to or what makes you react, then it will continuously damage your relationship until you recognize it and put something else in place. And here's where I would say, it makes sense? Uh-huh. Yeah. So here's where I would normally put in uh, that feelings of terrific service, the terrible masters. But I gave it. I gave you that one ahead of time. <laughs> so now, what we're going to talk about, what we're going to go through, is the top negative, ha- the top negative reactions of human beings. They're not all the most positive. I mean, the most powerful, like the strongest, even though they're all negative. But these are the most frequently negative for most frequently negative reactions. Uh, and I put them in alphabetical order because, you know, I just put them in alphabetical order. But anyhow, here we go. I'm going to say them and then I'm going to describe them briefly. I'm going to say them first. There's aggressiveness, anger, apathy, arguing, bullying, criticism, dismay. Um, you could call it, yeah, dismay. It's, it's, not quite um, uh, resignation, but it's like heartbreak. Um, distancing, put walls between each other, uh, fear, frustration, uh, impatience, indignation, being outsmarted, pessimistic, and stubbornness. Those are the top negative reactions of human beings, most frequent. And now the thing about these different um, reactions is that you can either react that way or you can get triggered by someone being that. So you can either be in the receiving end or the giving end or both of these. So, for example, angry could make you want to bully somebody or criticize somebody. Being apathetic may want, make you want to put um, a wall between you, between somebody else. You know, being, being fearful might make you impatient and pessimistic. So 
Um, these are the reactions. We bounce back and forth through these. These are the ones that are the most popular. You know, we, we don't have a, a, you know, we don't have an emotional bestsellers list. <laughs> but, these, but these would be the ones on it. I can't tell you which ones would be number one, number two, but <laughs> they're all on the New York Times bestseller emotional reaction list. Um, I don't know if you want me to go through the definitions of them. I don't even know if it's necessary. I, I wrote them, and you'll have it in the notes. But if you want, I mean, I'll go through a couple of them if you want. Otherwise, I'll just keep it moving. You know? I don't think you need to go through the definitions. I think I get what they all are. Yeah, okay. And then I got a little description behind them when you get the notes. So, All right. So the last piece is very short, um, and you'll have this, a uh, optional assignment. I should actually not give you no optional assignments anymore. I should just give you assignments, you know. <laughs> yes, please. This is, a, this is an assignment I'm going to give you, but I'll tell you it at the end. So now, um, I told you all of the pain, the description, the negativity. Now I'm going to tell you about how to handle relationships, how to handle the emotional side of relationships. So um, the way to handle uh, emotional, the emotional side of a relationship is to be happy no matter what, is to cause yourself to be happy no matter what. Right? You already are happy no matter what. So now I want to ask you this question. What's it going to take for you to be happy no matter what in a relationship? Um, let's see, what would it take for me to be happy no matter what? Um, definitely not comparing. I'm not actually, I know that this is around, you know, romantic relationships, but I'm just thinking like, in general, I could see how like this could make a difference in any type of relationships where I'm not. Absolutely. Yes. Comparing myself to how they interact with other people in their life. Okay. Um, and then comparing myself to like their past relationships, yep. um, and my past relationships. Um, also acknowledging myself okay. and not, not waiting for them to acknowledge me and being, um, <laughs> Giving up looking good. Like if something is bothering me or if I want to, like, there's something on my mind. Yes. Um, to be able to speak my mind and not worry about the person leaving me because, um, yeah, that's something that I, I definitely worry about is that I withhold. Yes. Um, and then also... Let's see, for me to be happy. Doing things that make me happy. Like, I, I find myself oftentimes wanting to please someone else at the impact yes. of myself and then resenting them later. Mm. Because I'm like, wow, I did this for you. Yes. And then that's not being of service, that's doing something else. Yes. Um, and then choosing it. I would say choosing happiness moment by moment. And if I'm not smiling, if I'm not having a good time, 
like recognizing it and stop doing whatever it is that I'm doing that's not having me have a good time. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So you got one of the three answers that I that I have. <laughs> I like it. So I'll, okay. I'll give you. I'll just give you what I've seen. You know, if there's anything else, I'll, I'll I'll let you know later. But this is what I got, and I think if you just do these three things, it'll make a difference. Like like practice it. So the first thing, uh, what's going to take for you to be happy no matter what in a relationship is to love a hundred percent just because. Like love your partner, love others a hundred percent just because with no expectation or need for anything in return. Mm. Just love for the enjoyment, for the opportunity, for the um, for the blessing of being loving. Okay. Great. So then you have to try to decide what you love and don't love because you you loving it all. You know. Let me give you an example. <laughs> this is horrible. So I was living in a place um, recently, and um, there was um, flooding going on in in the. It was in a basement apartment. It was major flooding. I don't know, three or four times a week. That was annoying you could imagine <laughs> yeah <laughs> then, then what i got present to is even though i really don't like doing this well at least i'm getting exercise oh my gosh i had, like the exercise actually took away most of the annoyance of it you know because it took something it took about an hour to two hours once it hit the floor um it was the sinks it was backed up it was a three unit apartment and the two upper units was backing up in the water we hit the floor and all that, right? And so like I was annoyed, you know, why isn't this guy taking care of this place, man? What's up with that, you know? But uh eventually uh he didn't end up fixing it, but in the meantime I actually got some, some pretty pretty decent exercise. Two hours of carrying water to the toilet, you know. <laughs> God. So you really could be happy no matter what, you know, you really could, (laughs) you know, by finding something to love, you know, and I'm I'm actually grateful now because, you know, it helped me get back into the habit of exercise, you know. So anyhow, love others and other things just because with no expectation or need for anything in return. That's the first thing. The second thing is to understand people at the level of principle. Um, it, this is so critical because when you understand people, you understand principles, the, you'll understand people. The principles people align themselves with tells you what dictates their character, tells you who they are, and allows you to recognize who they are. It tells you who they are. When you understand impatience, you'll recognize that this person is basically impatient or they're just impatient just now. This person is rude, or this person just had a reaction to being rude. You know, because when you understand people's fundamental principles that's driving their life that they don't even know because it's just they're just aligned with it, it dictates their actions. And now you can start predicting how they're going to be in the future. Not fully, but some. Somebody who's basically revengeful, leave them alone. We're going to get you eventually. But if you can't recognize that's where they're coming from because they're a make-wrong machine or whatever, 
you're in trouble. So understand people at the level of principle is the second thing, because that's how you're going to be happy no matter what. Because you'll, be yeah, you'll be around people that, you know, you don't think that you're not going to be happy being around, so you'll be alone. Third thing, you actually said the third thing, to choose to be happy no matter what, and choose to be happy no matter what prior to whatever you're doing or about to do. Like, to create the possibility of being happy before you get started. You woke up this morning, you meditate, and before you hit the shower, I'm going to be happy today. <laughs> and Got that's, it. that's Right. Now, you know, you may or may not remember this. I'll send it to you, but it's on the recording. I know you said you're going to listen to the recordings. Great. That's why we have the recordings. Last piece. The only reason to be happy in a relationship, um, the only reason, oh, excuse me, the only reason to be in a relationship is to be happy with someone who's happy with you. Anything other than that, you should just be dating. So if you're going to be in a relationship, make sure that you're happy with somebody who's happy with you. And so the only person we can be happy with no matter what is the person who knows how to be happy no matter what. Like they know how to be happy. The problem is, if you're not a person who knows how to be happy no matter what, you won't be able to recognize whether a person is able to be happy no matter what because they choose to be happy no matter what. I know it's kind of like a you know, word puzzle, but I'll say it again. The only person we can be happy with no matter what in a relationship is the person is a person who knows how to be happy no matter what. The problem is, if you're not a person who knows how to be happy no matter what, you won't be able to recognize whether a person is able to be happy no matter what because they choose to be happy no matter what. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Got it. Okay. Um All right, so um, that's really all I got. I would love to hear uh, your feedback, like what you're walking away from this uh, session with. So something you said that's so brilliant is that, like, about being happy no matter what, and that, of course, I'm sorry, I had the light on. Okay, of course I... Um, if I'm not happy no matter what, then I can't recognize, like, it's, like, like attracts like. So if I'm not happy, then I'm not going to attract happiness. Right. And you could choose to be happy no matter what. Yes. Yeah. All right, great. Anything else? Um, that it's a practice. It really is a practice. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's it, I think. Okay. Well, um, you know, I'm going to invite you to really look at your emotions and um, really pay attention to your reactions and the reactions of others and how you react to their reactions. Like, you, I want you to really pay attention this week 
to the world of emotions and the impact of the expression of those emotions. So pay attention to my emotions and the emotions of others and the impact of my emotions on others. Yes. And the impact, their impact on you. Like, just be in the world of emotions this week till the next session. And by the way, Wednesday next week works fine. Okay. Back to Wednesday. Wednesday, All right. So, um, yeah, you know, this also want to put in before I give you the assignment is that everything I said here is the reason why you can never take your eyes off the, off the emotions of your relationship. Because everything affects us emotionally. Whether we surrender to it or not, choose to be conscious of it or not, everything that happens affects us emotionally. I know life okay. is empty and meaningless, but humans are not empty and meaningless. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to say? No, I, I just was agreeing with you. Oh, okay, gotcha. By the way, uh, we are um, 13 minutes ahead of schedule. Like, you know, we was going to go the full thing. We're not going to have to, but, yeah, we, we're, we're less than 190 minutes in. So, uh, and I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'm happy for you. So, um, yeah, so, um, yeah. When it comes to emotions, the emotional side of the of the piece in uh, of the space in between called a relationship, you can never take your eyes off it. You can never ignore it. You can never forget. It. You could, but you're asking for trouble. And of course, you're not going to be always thinking, "Oh, emotions, oh emotions, oh emotions." You're not going to be thinking that. But you need to keep your eyes on it and be conscious of every emotional shift from every conversation, every interaction, from now until you're in the ground. So that you have the access to being responsible for it and influencing it, because okay. if you could be so, because if you could be happy no matter what, then you actually could be in charge of the relationship because you'll have the strongest emotions. Yes, I love it. And um, you will create great memories that will make you and your partner unable to stay away from each other because you got so many great memories you can't resist you just you just the memories make you stay around each other until you make more memories as a matter of fact the memories the great memories end up causing you to create more memories we're going to talk about this later on down the road but i really want you to get present to Leaving people feeling better than you found them is going to be the key to your happiness because that's going to be your access to being the one with the strongest emotions and being in charge of emotions. Got it. And and by the way, you know, after watching many women who and couples that have been married for 20, 30 years or longer, like, I don't know, probably a couple hundred at least, what I've noticed is the best relationships, the woman's in charge. She's leading the relationship, but he doesn't really realize that she is because she's using emotions to take care of him and the relationship. And in her handling the relationship side, he ends up taking care of her, like I had talked about the model 
last session. Yeah, 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 I remember. Uh-huh. But this is your power in the relationship is managing the emotions and men don't know how to do this. So if you expect them to do this, you're going to be disappointed because it ain't never going to happen. Yeah. The possibility of being able to do that stops at seven years old. So funny. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So now, uh, yeah, I really want you to like be in the world of emotions. Right? You're like, okay. The impact, you know, it's like this is the this is the Sunday evening of the access to power, and consider our next session Thursday so you can talk about all that, you know, <laughs> like that. Okay. All right. All right. Now the next the official assignment is to identify your top twenty your top ten emotional triggers. There's fifteen on this list. Identify the top one. I'm going to say top ten because I'm sure you felt all of those. But which of the ones is the the ones the top ones? So. Um, by creating your, this, uh, identifying them, creating it as a list, you could uh, it could look like a bunch of incidences that have upset you in the past, or you create a bunch of incidences. Okay. It could be you know it could be things you've exploded over. It could be general trends like politics or religion that triggers you. Um, it could be the way you were treated in relationships in schools, family. The point is to identify them at their source. So you can recognize what an upset looks like to you from that from that particular trigger. Got and it. So you can be so you can be prepared for them ahead of time and not be at the effect of them merely because something happened that came as a surprise and you just reacted. So to help you with this again, this is being about the last thing unless you say something else is that. I know I think I said this in the beginning, the first session. Something happens in our life, like a glass falls on the ground and breaks. You remember that example, right? Yeah. Yep. Glass breaks in the office, you say, oh, too bad. Glass breaks in the house where you're cooking, damn. House, a glass breaks in the house while you're the only one in, and then it breaks in the kitchen and you're in the bedroom. Oh, uh, shit, right? So something happens, and then you have a thought about what happens. And then normally, at the almost exact same time, even though it's separate, you have a feeling about the thought you had about what happened. And then you do something about how you do something according to how you feel. And so what happens is when people react, they don't think beyond the thought that they had when something happened. When people respond, they have a second thought. They're not just at the effect of the thought that popped up. They actually start to think rather than start to thought. You've heard the term thoughting before? What? I'm so sorry? I said, have you ever heard the thought of the, the, the term thoughting? I had a thought. Yes, I have, yeah. Yes. Reaction, reacting is thoughting. It's not thinking. If you have a second thought after your first reaction to something that happened, now you're thinking because you're questioning. Thinking is analyzing, questioning. That's what thinking really is. Planning, questioning, analyzing. That's thinking. Having a thought and doing something about it is thoughting, not thinking. 
Reacting comes from thoughting, doesn't come from thinking. You're going to feel however you feel in relationship to the thoughts that you have or the thinking that you do. But if you can have a second thought as often as possible or help other people have a second thought, good luck with that, but you could try. You should try. I do. Um, you got a better chance of making sure that you're happy no matter what. And I never said that before, so I'm happy that it's recorded. You know? I don't actually. Could you recreate that one more time? I just didn't get it. Okay, great. The difference between thinking and thoughting is that thoughting is you have a thought and then you do something about it. Thinking is having a second thought that you generated yourself rather than you heard yourself have it. Does that communicate? No, but it's okay. All right, let me try try one more time. We do got at least another uh, five minutes. I'm not trying to take the five minutes. I'm trying to give you something, you know? So. Yeah, no, it's okay. Okay. So when you are sitting around and a thought pops up into your head, it popped into your head, you heard it, that means you didn't create it. You received it. Okay. That's a thought you have. That's not thinking. Can you see that? You can see that? When a thought pops into my head and then I didn't create it, that's a thought I have? Yeah, okay, got it. Right, right. Thinking is asking yourself, questioning the thought, analyzing the thought, seeing what you could do with the thought. Thinking is doing work with the thought that you receive. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, great. People who think don't react, they respond. Okay. Because people who think say, okay, I just had this thought. What's the best way to me to deal with this thought? That's where the response comes from. Okay. If they don't respond, they're just thoughting because they're responding to the thought rather than they're reacting, I should say, to the thought. They're like doing something in response to the thought without any examination, any curiosity, anything other than that happened. I got to do this. And then they go do it. Okay. That's where the reaction comes in. That's where the majority of the negative memories that get created in relationships come from. Okay. So when you understand what triggers you, you will not stop being triggered, at least not at first. But what will happen is you will start to have second thoughts. Okay, that make, got it. That makes that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, oh, I'm gonna oh, wait a minute. Let me think for a second before you, you know. What I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then you start responding, and then you can be responsible for your triggers because you're gonna get triggered. It's just what you're gonna do about the trigger. You're gonna react or respond. And if you respond with happiness, like your intention is, how can I deal with this and still be happy? Now you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, great. So 
you're going to make this list of the top emotional triggers so that you could get to the bottom of what the trigger is so you can start asking yourself questions when the trigger pops up so you can start to respond and be responsible for the emotional culture of your relationship. Okay. Is that communication now? Yeah. Okay, great. I, and I highly recommend you listen to this session again because <laughs> I've said some things I ain't never said before. And, you know, I want you to actually, like, take this in rather than it just sounds like a lesson that you heard. Okay. So anyhow, so that's that. Um, anything you want to say in, in, in closing? No, I'm good. I, 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 I actually really enjoyed this. Okay, great. Uh, so I have a request that you recreate my last intention, my last, um, I, 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 I know, I know, I, yeah. know. I get it, but I, I'm just like, so say it back to me. It differently each time, which is why I just, and I think I'm overanalyzing it. So that's why I just wanted to like, let it go. Like, I, I, I'm thinking that what you're just asking is just to stop, like, if I stop, like, dwelling on my thoughts and just take action. And if the thoughts aren't ones that they want to have, then to take, to create different thoughts and take action around those. Great. Exactly. You have a thought. Don't just succumb to the thought immediately unless it's intuition. If it's not intuition, question the thought so you don't react. You get a chance to create responses that work rather than succumb to a thought. Okay. So, all right. That's what I got for you, my dear. We'll talk Wednesday. Hey, listen, again, I, I encourage you if you need to or want to to call me whenever you want. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. You've been extraordinary and have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. Yes. Thank you. And you do the same. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.